minus 30 seconds. T minus 20 seconds. You are now tapped into the coolest reptile podcast in the world. Welcome to the new breed on the block series. My boy, Diego. What's good, Diego? What's up? Damn, my homie in the building. Uh, guys, if this is your first time tapping into your boy a favor, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, select all. That way you're on top of every single piece of content we drop here on the Trap Talk Reptile podcast. Um, I want to say shout out to all the early birds. I see you guys right now. Before we get into things, I do want to say um, tonight's episode is brought to you by uh, Rare Genetics, Inc., Shout out to Ben and Sean over at Rare Genetics Inc. Uh, if you have shed skins that you need to get tested with ball pythons right now, the time is to do it. So make sure you head over to Rare Genetics Inc.'s website, place that order. And again, shout out to uh, Ben and Sean. Make sure you follow them on Instagram um, and head and head over to YouTube and uh, subscribe to their YouTube channel as well. Uh, again, shout out to Rare Genetics Inc. I also want to say that tonight's episode is brought to you by uh, my homie Shelby Mershon over at Mershon's Morphs. My boy Shelby. Definitely taking names in the ball python game, man. So please go head over to his Instagram and check out his morph market and his website, morphsmorphs.org. Um, shout out to Shelby. Thank you for the love and support. I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, man, go check them out. It's definitely stuff you don't want to sleep on. And then uh, also tonight's episode is brought to you by Focus Cube Habitats, number one enclosures in the game. Uh, appreciate Stephen and Ashley so much. Flex in Texas all day, every day. And everything you see behind me is made by focus cube habitats and that's a fact listen diego my man we got yes, we did we did some work today huh yeah got put to work already so if you guys it's hard to see obviously and i don't want to tilt the camera but we stacked another focus cube habitat enclosure on top of these behind me so i'm damn near like less than a foot away from the ceiling eight feet tall eight feet tall yeah yeah, yeah. so it's pretty epic um and uh yeah man listen i i do want to say that um Thank you, Diego, first and foremost, because I, I got to say, you're, you do, you, you've helped me out a lot, man. And, yeah, man. and it was kind of a blessing um, how you and I met, you know, because it's definitely you, you reached out to me, but then you happen to be like not far from um, where I live. I mean, you're like an hour away, right? About 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Traffic, yeah. Yeah. So um, how long have you been doing this, man? Like, I'm curious, like, what, at what point did you even stumble across the reptile industry as far as like seeing people, you know, breeding and turning into businesses and all that? Like, when did that hit you? Well, so sorry. Uh, what got me into reptiles? I got into them pretty young. So when I was probably in elementary school, like fifth grade, I was. You're good. I got really interested into like frogs, and my grandparents actually took me to Triple L Reptiles in Oceanside back when they were at their old store that was like really really small. Was that and Mission I, Gorge? Uh, nope. No, it was in Oceanside. Right oh, it was off, in Oceanside. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think it was right off Mission, um, right by the beach. They're still in the same area, but they used to be in a lot smaller, like a cramped, very cramped spot from what I remember. And there I picked up some uh, firebelly totes. Those are my first pets. And then from there, I got a pair of Russian tortoises and I had those when I was young and I had them until they both died. I forget what they died from, but probably not me taking care of them. Right. But you know, 
was a kid. Yeah, I mean, dude, I think the first like that first reptile I had wasn't even a snake. I had a turtle. I got a I got a turtle, and then my little sister left it outside. Like she yeah. took it out of the uh, she took it out of the tank and just like put it outside, and then they yeah, ended up I like, would, crisping outside. Yeah, I would take mine outside and leave them in the backyard, but I would watch them for the most part. But then after that, yeah, I took a break and then got back into reptiles. Um, probably when I was in high school. I got really into bearded dragons. So what got me back into them was my cousin had gotten a, a corn snake and I wanted to get a snake, but my dad, he didn't like snakes. So I was looking on the internet for like stuff that I could get that wasn't a snake. So then I fell onto lizards and I found bearded dragons. And then I kind of went crazy with those for a bit. And I had, at one point, I think I had like 30, including babies. So 30 mm. bearded dragons. And this was probably my in senior, high school. Yeah. My senior, okay. junior, senior year of high school. Damn, that's cool. I was doing those pretty tough. And throughout this time, I was still going to reptile shows. I used to go to the Super Show when it was in San Diego. Oh shit! At that really at the convention center when it was super packed. I miss the San Diego show, even though San Diego shows never hit the same as like a Pomona or like an Anaheim. No. I don't really know what the gap was. I always felt like it was. I don't feel like enough people who are really tapped into the industry really went to San Diego. Yeah, I think it was just more, more so the location. Yeah, it was like a lot of local people from what I remember, and then it was really small and like really cramped compared to like the Pomona or Anaheim show where it's just, it's massive, you know? So you yeah. can't really compare those two, even though it was a lot more convenient having it closer to home. And it was really cool being in like downtown San Diego and everything. I just like, cause I always thought like, all right, cool. Like I'm going to Pomona, I'm going to Anaheim and nothing against those cities. But I'm like, what the fuck? Like San Diego, like why, why don't we have this shit in San Diego? And and I do want to say the number one thing that did suck about going, and I love you, Rami. I love the Reptile Super Show. Shout out to the sponsor. But one of the biggest things about going to reptile super show in san diego was the downtown parking yeah because it was I, in the smack middle of downtown in a weird convention center is weird bro yeah, like, it sucked. not it wasn't the actual convention convention center yeah. which i feel like if it was it it'd would be, be a different lot better. yeah right but, but it's like the inner convention center it's yeah weird. when i first started driving was that was like one of the first places i drove to and driving down there i was so stressed out yeah it's just uh but you know either way hopefully the san diego shows can make a comeback or something because that would be sick to have like an actual like home home show yeah, you know? especially since rami's from here he's from san diego right? yeah born and raised cool rami's a g man shout out to rami um now like i'm curious man like so you know you out of high school like what, what was the deal with you and reptiles like did you always knew you wanted to hold on to the reptile hobby and like keep it you know as, as part of your life or did it kind of like disconnect and then reconnect again yeah so that's pretty much like the story so you know when i was young i had some and then got rid of them reptiles you know they passed away was doing other things got into playing sports and stuff like that so that right. took a lot of my attention away from it uh, what sports you play i played soccer growing up damn that's it and then um yeah so growing up and then back in high school i got back into it I got into it pretty heavy, you know, bred bearded dragons for a bit. And then that was around my senior year. So when I was deciding to go to school or stay home and I ended up just, you know, getting rid of everything I had and focusing on school and work and stuff like that. And then the interest just kind of went away or not even went away. It was still around. I would still keep up with stuff. I would still watch like YouTube. I still followed people um, that had reptiles and stuff like that. I just wasn't as into it as I was before. And then, um, once I got older and I started making my own money and then it was pretty much during COVID, like right before COVID or during COVID is when I got back into reptiles again. And then I had my own spot and then just decided to get back into it full tilt. Now, you know, I'm out of high school. You, what kind of job did you have? Remind me like, what, um, what, what were so you doing? my very first like official job is I used to set up soccer fields at a complex. There's two locations. One was in Del Mar and then the other was in um, Oceanside now. 
setting up soccer fields like yeah. like on like what kind of soccer are we talking so about? it was a uh, big like for sure like big youth tournaments sorry uh for big youth tournaments so there's one it's called surf cup there's a big tournament that's re- that's held down here and a lot of kids go down there and um you know play and they just go to get scouted by a lot of big schools big name schools so um and then they would just have other tournaments local tournaments that were held there so there's probably like 20 to 25 fields that would we would set up and stuff like that and do all that yeah, and it's kind of crazy because like my, my thing in high school was baseball. You're like baseball, football, but really baseball was like what I was trying to make a name for myself in. Yeah. And I, I played obviously I played college and it like a year and a half, but like I still tried everything I do to kind of stay like yeah, because you just never know, you know, even though it's like all right, bro, ain't nothing gonna happen in baseball. Like you're yeah, you're hurt, and it's like you're already turning 21, like you need yeah. to like accept it. Grow up. But yeah. I, I remember I would still um some games and shit like that. Yeah, it was yeah. always cool. Like, and mind you, man, it's been like over 20 years since I was on a baseball field. And now that I have a son, I feel like that could be a possibility to get back. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But I, I, I feel you, man. It's so. Um, do you feel like you know? And you grew up in Oceanside, or where did yeah, you grow so up? Yeah, so I was born, uh, born in Oceanside, raised up until I was seven years old. Uh, my parents ended up. We all ended up moving. Uh, our family got pretty big, or bigger at the time, and um, we ended up moving to Menifee. And then when I was fourteen, so right at the beginning of middle of my freshman year, we moved back down to Oceanside. But every weekend we were down in Oceanside, you know growing up so i pretty much grew up in oceanside and just lived in menifee i got a good friend in menifee you might know the name matt summers matthew summers yes sir way to go matt on uh just being an amazing person i don't know what i was gonna say but i like matt i love yeah. matt i just can't help but to smile when i think yeah. of him whoa that's not weird but i'm just saying matt's my boy from menifee another yeah. good huge like support and homie of mine um but yeah so being established at Manifee, then you went back to Oceanside, right? Yeah, I came back down to Oceanside. And what do you do for work now? So now I'm a ride mechanic at Legoland. Okay. So I've been working there for going on eight years, but I started I started working there when I was 19. So after the soccer fields, I actually went to go work at a, a veterinary hospital. So I was there, took care of animal boarding. So I was there for about a year. So you, you tried vet school for a little bit. Well, I wanted to actually become a vet. That was my original plan. So I, I've always liked animals and wanted to do something regarding animals like my grandpa has a ranch right now up in uh Marietta. so i've been around you know livestock uh reptiles and stuff like that like my whole life and i wanted to go into become a veterinarian but then it's just you know things happen differently life happens i mean it's definitely not like the schooling and the money behind becoming a vet is so fucking ridiculous oh yeah and then once you become a vet you don't even really get paid like a doctor does yeah and that's like one thing i kind of realized working at an animal hospital is i kind of saw all the the goods and the bads from it. So I worked in the animal boarding. So when people, you know, would drop off their dogs for like a day, like sometimes like daycare pretty much. Right. Or like overnight, they would go on extended trips. So you're just watching the dogs. Yeah. You know, we would take them out, give them, take them on walks, feed them, water them, all that good stuff. And then I would also help a little bit with like the the hospital side. Like typically when there was like bigger dogs, because there was a bunch of women working there and they can't pick them up or wouldn't be able to hold them. So that was kind of my job. Now, I mean, dogs, bro. I mean, I man, I always kind of have a special place with, uh, when it comes to dogs in my heart. But I think uh, that's like a whole other like level as far as what we're talking about tonight with reptiles. Yeah. Like even like breeding. Yeah. Keeping like all that shit with dogs is like uh, it's a whole other like beast. Yeah. And we've I've done that a little bit too. my dad. He got really big into pit bulls when I was growing up as well. So we had a couple uh, litters would be the word. Yeah. Litters of puppies. Yeah. And taking care of those. I remember he had like this big blue book that was pretty much like what to do, like how to get ready for having puppies. And I read that thing like cover to cover. 
Yeah. Yeah. So like anytime he had questions at the time, I can't remember it anymore, but at the time I would be able to answer like all the questions he had or what are we supposed to do now type stuff. And yeah, it was pretty interesting. So speeding things up to right now, like what's kind of your biggest goal in the uh, reptile industry? Like now that you've, you know, you're, I mean, shit, you've, you've connected with me. I've connected you with a lot of my friends and mm -hmm. you're definitely like making really awesome relationships within the hobby. But what is it that interests you the most? Like, what are you looking to do right now? Yeah. Well, I mean, just to start on that is I just want to say thanks. Cause it's, you've been a real big help and like a big influence in everything gotcha. that I've done. And, you know, you've introduced me to a lot of people, a lot of the people that are here in the chat. You know, I think I saw Benny, I think I saw Adler in the chat. Yeah. I got some homies, man. Shout out to everyone in the chat, yeah, by the shout way, out to everybody. We, we, but, you know, obviously I have like my own way of starting the show, but we like, we rushed to get this show yeah. started. <laughs> we were, we're like sweat. the last minute. <laughs> yeah. We're looking at the last minute of turning the lights on. So like my yeah. bad guys, this is a little unorthodox, but just, just so you guys know, you're like, Oh, it's happening. But we had work before the, we week. had work. Yeah. We yeah. were fucking getting to work and making sure we could catch this uh, live. But yeah, man, it's kind of crazy, not crazy, but how amazing it feels to have friendships within something that you love to do that you would like, you wouldn't have these friendships if it wasn't for the hobby. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. It's, it's really interesting because like thinking about it, like when I used to go to the shows, like as a kid, it's like, I would go and just was kind of one of those people where like, you know, people would say, Oh, like, are you interested in anything? And I'm like, no, like super shy and like kind of intimidated to talk to people. Yeah. And even now, like I'm kind of hesitant to like introduce myself to people. And I guess, I don't know, I guess the word would be kind of self-conscious. I guess is the word because I don't want to sound like like you're like you're talking out of your ass. Basically. Yeah, exactly. You know, like I don't like speaking on anything like I'm not 100 percent confident in what I'm saying. So if I don't feel 100 percent confident, even though I may be right, like I won't say stuff. So like when I've met everybody, like I guess at this year's not really trap fest, but the yeah, gathering like, that was, we had this year. Yeah, it was like a it was like a super a dinner. dinner. Yeah, it was a trap dinner. Yeah, yeah. Say. So yeah. meeting everybody there, like it was a lot of, you know, people there like, um, you know, uh, who's there? Levance. Too. Um, yeah, the Jaffe, all the guys from you know from canada and um who else uh dragon soul i forget his actual name uh patrick patrick there you go. Like yeah patrick. so meeting like all of those guys like i was kind of really quiet or even antoine that was the first time i ever met antoine i was just really quiet like kind of just listening to the conversations and taking in all the information and just you know like getting to know the people but without really talking which is kind of weird i guess it's funny you say that because listen like i mean obviously you guys know i, have, you know, I, I love talking <laughs> just like even and I don't know, man, it was just something where I get excited and I always want to say something, but this industry or this hobby was the first time where like, I know it's better just to shut up and listen mm -hmm. and then at least have the experience before you speak on it. Yeah. Because I mean, you always think about how, like even the people who've been in this for like 20 plus years, they don't, they still learn shit new every day. Yeah. Nobody knows everything. No, like, that's dude. one thing that I've you know, I've learned outside of this hobby is like when you think you know everything is when you're, you know, you don't. When it goes down. Yeah, yeah. That's when you start messing up. And I'm I'm so okay with like learning, like, you know, obviously fucking up sucks, right? Yeah. And I always say it's, it's okay to fuck up. You just don't want to continue to like to repeat the same fuck ups. But like there's so many things to fuck up in this industry. Like oh, just, yeah. but that's because it's meant to happen. So you learn from it. Yeah. And it's something where like not even your, not even your closest friends could teach you what's about to happen it happens the way it's supposed to happen. Yeah, you have, there's some things you just have to experience in life, you know, and and, but some I'll, of them suck and you don't want to experience them, but it's just, yeah, it's just how it goes. I would say the biggest thing that was taught to me and it was hard to like accept and understand was like when you're taking on like an imported animal, right. And you just 
like there's just signs that that animal's not going to make it like that's like dude like you're wasting your time or first and foremost like you shouldn't have this animal around your other snakes or yeah. anything like that and um like I, I was told from the beginning that chondros aren't for the faint at heart and i was like kind of like i heard for what it was but man is that true like yeah it's brutal but it's also like there's so many beautiful things about keeping chondros too um but like just certain stuff like that like i mean i rest in peace forest fanning but i've had hour-long conversations like i don't know how many times with forest and he would just be the one talking and yeah. i'm just like listening and he'd be bringing up all these names and, I, and and what's funny is like there are names i've not heard since he was alive that i hear about now like they pop up and i go oh my god i know that name yeah. you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and also you know like shout to mark bailey like yeah that's bro. a that's another big person that i've connected with through you man it's my boy i want to say the homie yeah Love you, mark if you're watching yeah man shout out to mark man trap loves mark bailey supports mark bailey shout out to the sponsor but like you want to talk about something like mark bailey like mark bailey's like he's a book bro like he's a yeah. book on not even just with ball pythons like a lot, a lot of people get it twisted and think mark bailey is just a ball python fucking you know og no man the he's rodents the rodents but also colubrids um he's fucking really like he's a herper one. he's a herper bro like he goes out there and fucking like he he sees animals yeah, like he was showing me a picture when i drove him up to to pomona he was yeah. showing me a picture he found a hog nose like in his backyard or like near his house and like you know we were having crazy conversations on that hour drive you know he's just really like you know you have people who are like made names for themselves by you know making money off breeding or whatnot but like like he is just really he's been here from the start yeah yeah even i think on the last podcast he was saying that he kept carpet pythons the last one you had him on i never even talked to him about that but you know yeah you learn something new about that guy every conversation you have with him and i want to say mark i mean i've met like I'm Mark's we're using Mark as an example, but I want to say when it comes to like business decisions, um, what moves to make within a hobby, like Mark's your guy, dude, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, he put me on a little bit of game, you know, he hooked me up with some animals this past show, uh, even the show before, you know, and I told him, this is what I'm working on. This is what, you know, what do you think? This is my idea. And he would say, yeah, that, that sounds like a good direction to go with it. Or I don't know, you, maybe you want to go this way with it. And obviously, like hearing it from him, like it's somebody you for sure want to listen to and, you know, take his words with, you know, they hold some weight to them, I guess would be the word to how to say it. They do, man. And you know what's crazy is like if he really wants to tell you something like where he thinks it's going to be important, like he'll he'll make he'll he'll ask you, like, are you listening? Because like, yeah, I need you to listen to this right now. Yeah. And like, I well, yeah, Mark, I'm listening. OK, I'm about yeah. to tell you something. And I go, OK, yeah. so again, shout out to Mark Bailey. Um, Now, now that we're we, we're talking about ball pythons um you know obviously you made some sort of pivot okay well before we get to the ball pythons your foundation is based off what like if you if somebody oh, okay. were to come if somebody were to come into your collection diego and say oh what is it that you're like what's your like what are you more firm on when it comes to projects what would that be well i want to be more involved with monitors so that's kind of what got me back into the hobby it was um i had well the first thing i got back was some geckos some gargoyle geckos which i still have but yeah. then the next thing i wanted to get was i wanted to get a bigger lizard but not you know, a massive monitor because I live in an apartment, so I can't keep it. So I ended up getting really big into dwarf monitors. So right now I have just a trio of Aki's that I've bred. This is going to be the second time this year that I've nice. actually got them to breed. Um, but I want to get more, you know, dwarf species of monitors. Some Varanus King Gorm monitors would probably be the next that I want to get. Um, I also want to get some Kimberly Rock monitors, the Varanus Poberensis. Kind of want to get a lot of the Odatria, you know, a lot of those species. Now, you know, before we kind of tap into like 
other projects, these species you speak of, like what is it that stands out the most? Like what 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 really intrigues you the most about working with dwarf monitors? It's just it's like what I found really crazy is it's like obviously the experience that I have with lizards before this was a bearded dragon, you know, and they get, you know, two, three feet, two feet. Um and just thinking that you can get a monitor the same size, if not smaller, and the you get the personality, you know, the similar diet, the intelligence of a big monitor, you know, of like you know Alice and Mac, but in a compile, you know, real, uh, I guess what's the word, a smaller package, you know. Yeah. So that's like what attracted me to them, and it's just crazy. Yeah, because their behaviors are the same. They yeah. act exactly. They're just, I mean, they're just as intelligent. I yep. want to say too. You know what I mean? Yep. Um. And I was always told because, like you said, like it always comes down to space. And yeah. man, these big monitors take so much space. Yeah, like the enclosure like, we built for them that you have fuck, now, bro. Like <laughs> it's the just, size of my apartment. Yeah, it takes <laughs> a lot of space. But what's crazy is like if you're limited when it comes to that, you can easily work with a dwarf monitor species yeah. that are, that it's going to make you just as happy to keep. I yeah. feel like. And like that's what I like talk to some people about too is they don't think about it as everyone you know when they think monitors they think of something you know, five, six feet, something super massive that's going to need a whole room as a cage. But, you know, then you start kind of looking into it deeper and you look at all these other smaller species that are also, you know, just as interesting and they don't require that much space, even like tree monitors, you know? Yeah. Like those are really nice, really beautiful species of monitor, all of them. And they don't require nearly as much space as, you know, as the bigger monitors that we have out there. Although there are there are arguments right now, I will say that the more space the better. Right. You know, that's the biggest argument. Like especially right. when I started getting back into them, was like, oh, what size? You know, that's the first thing everybody everybody looks up is what size enclosure can I keep? Da 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 da. And you know, and and they're always thinking the small. Like they're going, they want to think the minimum. Like yeah, what's like and, exactly. and, and my, it's because of space, and that's exactly. like, that's fine. You know what I mean? But like the tree monitors, like I have Kevin and Brittany in a mm -hmm. six by two and a half or two deep uh four feet across yep and i still think they could probably use double that size yeah you i know? mean the more the more space you give to a lizard especially they're going to use all of it you know yeah and, and we're talking specifically tree monitors right now because the way they are agile and how fast they are oh yeah they and, need space and to move. dude i can only imagine how they travel from tree to tree to tree like mm -hmm. i'm talking like they just yeah. probably launch crazy you know what i mean and uh I feel like, um, man, at some point I would like to have something walk in for them, like, how, like almost like a, uh, almost like a Mac Drain Alice situation. Yeah. But really, bro, man, and and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but fuck, man, shout out to Australia, man, Australia keepers who keep things outside. Oh yeah. They're oh lucky. man, there's just, there's got to be a way we could figure out in San Diego. Something. Like, I I think obviously there's a time and place weather wise where they have to be contain yeah but if you do an, a, a like a half outdoor half indoor yeah that's like a man or something yeah that's like ideas i've had like thinking about like later down the line when i get myself a house and stuff like that and like wanting to get into the bigger monitors yeah i was thinking you know what would be the easiest way and like kind of a more unique way of keeping them and i think that would be a good idea you know having a partially outside partially inside enclosure but obviously it still comes with it's you know pros and cons to it as well. It's funny you say that, man, because one thing about the tree monitors is, I mean, I, I sometimes you get you get lucky if they if they jump out they'll stay they'll stay there and then you can catch yeah. them. But man, if they take off, they're they take gone. off, yeah. and you're just like you know. And obviously, you don't want to like you know because they're a lot smaller. They're not like Mac Tree and Alice, yeah. so you don't want to step on them or like you mm -hmm. know what I mean. And I can only imagine outside. Yeah, I would. If, if, if <laughs> I that if that motherfucker that. hits the ground outside or catches a branch and you're you're not you know gone you know yeah the last for thing sure you gotta 
got to be on top of everything when it comes to that to prevent that as much as possible. And there's like, there's biosecurities for that. Like there's double door containments, which mm -hmm. obviously you and I have been talking about building uh, an outdoor enclosure for Mac Dre yep. now is that's going to need two doors, like a door within a door. Yep. And if any of you out there are wondering like, what's a, what's a double contained door mean? It's Zeus have it. Yeah. So it's basically like, imagine uh, a door and then there's another door. Now the reason for that is because let's say you have your cage open and the monitor gets out, it's going to hit the other door that's closed. So it's like a, yeah, it's redundancies pretty much to yeah. prevent them from getting out. I think it's like a requirement. Like in Florida, if you have like venomous reptiles too, you have to have that like a door Double and then another door. Yeah, it's pretty much like a closet space in between the second door. Yeah, to prevent all of that. So before we kind of switch lanes here, you know, overall, like long term, are you looking to establish like great breeding projects within these dwarfs, or are you just looking to maybe just enjoy keeping them? Like, what would you like to like? Like, are we talking, Diego? We're looking to start a a, a brand at some points and, and and do what the typical breeders doing in the industry and, and, and trying to turn this into a business i mean i would i would love for it to turn into something like that you know but i'm not in a rush for that to happen i'm not gonna go out and you know start buying all kinds of things and like okay get like, ahead of these, yourself yeah these need to breed in order for me to like you know grow within the industry you know like nah like that would be really cool like eventually for that to happen for me and yeah like that's kind of a dream scenario for that to happen but at the same time like if I mean, I would want it to, and you know, I'm gonna work for that to happen. But let's just say, for whatever reason, it never happens. Like, I'm more than happy just keeping everything that I have as pets and like breeding things for me, you know? Because that's just, how it all started, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Just like how you have like your chondros and your emeralds and everything like that, you know? Like, they're just something that I really like to to interact with on a day to day basis and just to keep in my house. And like, when people come over, I'm like, hey, you want to see something cool? And I'll pull out like a lizard, and people are like, what the fuck? Like, you have a lizard? I'm like, yeah, look. <laughs> then you'll feed them and then they start tripping out you know yeah um a lot of your info came from what you would say when it comes to the monitors um youtube number one uh um, any specific channels or is this random stuff that uh, you look up just i can't remember off the top of my head to be honest with you but um so just yeah just that and then um the first person that i really that i've actually bought my first pair of ackies off of i believe on instagram it's gis reptiles i forget the guy's name but uh, he's really big on the, like dwarf monitors, just monitors in general. And I got like information from him about how to keep them and everything before I even like talk to him about buying anything and then just hitting up different people, you know, more or less. Any big learning curve that stands out when it comes to, uh, you know, working with the dwarf monitors that you could lay down for us? Compared to like a bearded dragon or something like that? Well, just like something that you, it took maybe a little bit time for you to figure out or you're like man i'll never do that again or something like it can either be uh, like pairing or like you know the way that she laid or whatever like yeah. well, well it's probably the biggest like well learning um like experience learning yeah learning okay. opportunity you've had well like the biggest thing is like that was like kind of a struggle for me i guess it'd be like the whole nesting thing you know with monitors and that I has like to that's be on a, point yeah and that's like has i know a point. lot of people struggle with that like when first getting into it and I think um, there was a podcast that I was listening to. What's um, I forget the name of it, but I know Kai. He's in. Oh yeah, shout yeah. out to Kai. I forget the uh, the name of the podcast, but I found that it was him and another guy, which I forget. But they have a bunch of stuff on all types of monitor species and stuff like that. And they did one on nesting, and that's kind of when I like kind of dove really deep into that and wanted to figure that out and like wanted to learn how that worked because you know hearing the stories of people saying like oh like. You know, I got my animals to breed, but then I couldn't get my female to lay. And then she, you know, she died due to being, um, you know, being gravid and not being able to pass the eggs. Um, right. Egg bound. Yeah, egg bound. There you go. Sorry. 
So that was one thing that I wanted to know and like learn prior to even pairing my monitors and like getting the nest box perfect for the female and making sure she knew what it was, um, how to more or less that she was using it and that she would be comfortable in there. So once I kind of got that down and like learned about, you know, the right mix that I used in the, in the box and how to heat it appropriately, especially in my enclosures, cause all enclosures are different and, you know, in bigger enclosures, you might not heat it the same way as a smaller one. And obviously the more dirt or the bigger the egg box, you're not going to heat it the same as a smaller one, you know? Right. And, um, and dude, I don't know, like, what was it that helped you out dial in the nest box? You say like, I mean, and, and did it take a while to figure that out? Um, yeah, it probably took me like, I'd say like a month because I tried a few different things or like maybe two months. Cause well, like, first and foremost, what substrate do you put inside your nest box? So right now I have a mixture of play sand, uh, peat moss and cocoa fiber. And what's your, like, what's the, so, like the ratio on that? I mixed, well, I bought like big bags from Home Depot. So I have like a big tote that I pre-mixed everything in. Oh, so tight. pretty much it was one, I think it's like a 50 pound bag of play sand and then another bag like around that size. So you have a tub that's like 200 or 200 pounds fucking heavy. Almost. That's <laughs> almost pretty heavy. My girlfriend doesn't like it too much. It's <laughs> chilling on our balcony right now. And she's like, hey, you need to move that. But yeah. So, I mean, I guess it would be like a, a one-to-one to one ratio like if you wanted to do it in exact measurements but i more or less went off a of feel like that's what everybody from the information that i could gather is what they would say is, you know you want it to hold like a ball with the moisture but you don't want it to squeeze out water right. and you want it to hold shape so like i kind of adjusted and readjusted and like at first i didn't even use all of those things like i just tried sand and um like cocoa fiber and i didn't really like it because i didn't feel like it held like a burrow really well and then I added the peat moss into it, and I felt like that kind of just felt, fixed it for whatever reason. And that I found on some random YouTube video. Nice. Like I forget the dude who posted it, but just hours and hours of YouTube. I'm always on my phone watching YouTube. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy how like there's so much information out there. And you know, beauty about YouTube, it's not like I like YouTube because you actually hear words coming from someone's mouth. Yeah. Versus reading. You yeah. Know what I mean, I can read and stuff like that, but <laughs> I'm, I'm a I'm a more visual learner. You know, like. I would much prefer to watch a video and like listen to it or even just listen, you know, like podcasts and stuff. I listen to them. I listen to MJ's podcasts all the time. Or like when I'm at work, I just put my headphones on and do my thing and I'm just listening and, you know, absorbing as much information as I can. Yeah. So, you know, taking notes here and there when I find something like, oh, I think I need to write that down and remember it and then just keeping those things for myself, you know. That's what's up, man. Now, you know, obviously, since I've met you, you definitely like got your hands into the, some ball pythons. Like you're you're starting to kind of like make some some player maneuvers. Yeah. Um, you have something from Marshall? Or am I tripping? Uh, yeah, I do. So Marshall Mendez, the yeah. I really got. So when I got into ball pythons, um, I didn't know what I wanted. So I've always liked ball pythons, but like I said before, is I could never own a snake living at my parents. Is my dad hated snakes, still doesn't really like them to this day, but um. <laughs> I've always like kind of kept up with the market and like how things have like progressed, especially with like, you know, more genetics added into the mix. And um, when I got back in the, you know, reptiles and I was able to start buying my own stuff and like snakes in particular in specific, um, I got into Ultramel. Ultramel is like a real, a big gene that I want, I am working with or plan on working with for the project. So the snake that you're talking about was a pastel or pastel Ultramel, 100% head male. That I picked up from Marshall. Damn, that's what's up. Yeah. So you would say Ultramel is like the 
biggest foundation as far as recessive projects for you like that like you want to kind of build things off of ultra mill yeah so ultra mill and clown those are the two recessives and ball pythons that i'm focusing with maybe <clears throat> i'm thinking of adding another uh haven't decided on which i want to do yet so another recessive, recessive into the project into yeah. the ultra mill yeah monarch <laughs> yeah 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 sure okay i gotta ask you bro like, do, do i do i some since you do listen to this show quite often um Whenever I kind of like go in on a certain morph or whatever, everyone bags on it. When it comes to Ultramel, everyone always brings up Monarch. When someone brings up Monarch, they're always bringing up Ultramel. I mean, so that's it's kind of it a flows. back and forth thing, you know? So it's like. But does it make I'm it confusing not, for you at all? Nah, because I under, I mean, I know the difference from what I think. I know the difference between them. And I mean, what's they're the different. Hold on. What's the difference between Monarch and Ultramel? Well, Monarch is darker, like okay. for the most part, you know, the purple. And better looking. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> up for the. Let's get the vote right now in the chat. Let's see. Team All Ultramil, right, guys. Team I want to hear the comments. Monarch or, or, or Ultramil? Jaffy, where are you at? Jaffy, All my Canadian fellows hop in. Um, no, seriously. So, I mean, what, what, what's a, I mean, what, what other recessive have you seen in Ultramil that really stands out to you? Um, hmm. Other well, than Cloud. I was going to say Cloud. That's the clown. biggest like, one. But um, I like like a Hypo Ultramil and then a DG Ultramil. Like those are all pretty cool. Uh, at the last Super Show, I saw the puzzle. The Ultramel puzzle. Uh, those are that one was pretty nice too, um, but I, I still haven't decided on another one. If at all, I'm going to add another one or just kind of focus on the, you know, the um, the double recessives before moving into triples because I feel like everybody's kind of on the race right now to triple and quad recessives when there's still so much to be done with doubles. You know, I agree, and especially with like some of the things that I want to work into it is there's a lot. You know the possibilities are endless like you know not, not in my lifetime will everybody or somebody make every combination of all python you know so I, so far i see everybody in the in the live chat saying uh monarch nah, so i think i'm reading Ultramel. my boy's dyslexic <laughs> um okay but I, i'm curious because one thing that i feel like is important like if you buy a line of something like like for instance dg right like yeah. you know i you know there's like five levels of dg yeah apparently, so right? that's like one of the things that's like kind of holding me back from it is because i still haven't even fully understood how all of that works yeah so before i hop into that i would want to for sure so know how maybe i can help you with that because i, I this, this is how i simplify things right there's so many i guess levels to this dg shit mm -hmm. as they're saying but i feel like if there was levels to this ultra mill stuff yeah don't you feel solid just getting your ultra mill through uh marshall because you feel yes, like that like you feel like people. that's a specific like reputable line of ultra mill is through marshall yeah and 100%. i feel like that's the same thing with dg 100 like yeah. and i mean obviously i help mj out a lot within his collection and i see all the animals that he has and seeing like the dg that he has from levance at straight fire like that thing levance and mark so i got well, levance yeah got well, levance uh and DG mark and mark yeah Bailey, but yeah. i remember i think the one of the first ones that I saw you get was Big the one girl, from yeah. Levance. Yeah. And that thing, I haven't seen anybody's DG as nice as that one. At least not That's, in person. That thing's stupid, bro. Yeah. Even everybody that came here for the trap dinner, you know, all of them were amazed by that snake. Right. You know, and a lot of those guys keep DG and, you know, Levance was here. That was his snake. Right. You know, so. Yeah, yeah. it's all different. I think it's all depends on who you're getting it from, like you said. And if they've been working that gene right and doing it justice, you know, not just pairing just a pair, but they're pairing with a goal in mind yeah that makes a big difference on the quality of an animal that you're getting so do you feel like your ultra male loyalty is to marshall like you feel like if you ever want to re-up more ultra mode you're going to go to or before if you want to re-up a more ultra mode you're going to go to marshall first yeah so i actually have um i actually before i even found out about marshall i picked up a ultra male female like a baby 
uh, from, I believe his name is Randy at Dark Cloud Reptiles. Oh, shout out to Randy. He's, yeah. he's from San Diego. Yep. Yeah. So I picked up a snake from him and it's just a, a regular, like, you know, not plain, but just a single gene ultramel female. And then the next visual ultramel I got was from Marshall. So yeah, for sure. If I'm going to get more, it might most likely will be from Marshall or I'm going to just try and make my own stuff. And that's more so the direction I'm going toward right now. No, I mean, is there anything timeline wise, like you looking to like start breeding ball pythons? Like, do you have a certain like game plan for when that's going to go off and stuff like that? Yeah. Well, so hopefully, um, either late this year or next year, um, I've still started, or I've been collecting, you know, more animals as I go. Um, I started with getting a lot of, you know, younger snakes, uh, from people. And then I just, as I've gone and like met other people, like the adult snakes have kind of just popped up and, you know, they're coming up for the right price. So I just kind of hopped on them, even though like, it's not super smart if you don't know what you're doing to get like, just to buy stuff. But you know, when the deal comes up and it's there, like I just, you know, I'm, I, I just take it. So right now I think I have about four, four or five breeder ready females. And then my male, he's the only one that I'm waiting on to get a little bit bigger. So you only have one male? I have two, okay. but the other male, I'm not planning on breeding him because I have, he's a, a lavender albino and he's a double head clown pied, but I have nothing with lavender in it. So I'm going to try and sell that male and then probably buy another male with ultra male in it. Now, you know, when it comes to like, uh, like you at some point having to sell ball pythons, like, mm. do you feel like, like, do you feel like it's going to be more vending or do you feel like it's be more morph market? Like what, what would you, where would you like to have your snakes sold at? Um, I would prefer to go to shows. I mean, my first experience like vending a show was with you, obviously, you know, when you yeah. had your first show and, you know, helping you out with that and just seeing how all of that works. Like it's, it's fun. It's a lot of work, but it's also really fun. And, you know, you, and that's where I would much more rather, uh, that doesn't make sense. I would much rather, you know, sell snakes or animals in general, just because you get to make that face-to-face -face connection with people. And, you know, you get to talk to somebody and, you know, like compared to, on the internet where you can just hey, you know, <laughs> I want this snake, but let me ask my wife first type stuff, you know? So like, I can see that getting like really annoying for me, but I would probably still post stuff online, but I would much prefer to sell them like local or, you know, face to face type stuff. You know, that shit could happen at a show though, man. Remember yeah, no, it's happened a lot. <laughs> I was there. Remember that girl who was like, okay, I want to buy this one. He's like, no, you don't. Yeah. You want to go a couple more booths down. Yeah. I was like, motherfucker. I was like, she said she wants to buy it, bro. Like, yeah. Oh my God. So the story he's talking about, there's a couple that came up to his table at the last <laughs> show and the girlfriend wanted to buy a snake that he had at the table. That didn't even want to sell either. Yeah. And the boyfriend was like, he was kind of into it, but then he was like, nah, like this, someone else has this exact snake, like two, two rows down, we can get it for cheaper. And I was like, MJ was there at that point. So I didn't say anything, but yeah. she really wanted the snake. Like if she had the money out, the girl would have bought the snake, but the dude was the one that kind of cock blocked on that one. It is, it is what it is. You know, you just, you know, you, you take what you can get. Yeah, you and, know, that's just how it goes. But I always say, man, fuck the, you know, you know, not fuck the sales. Obviously, you want sales at a show because that's kind of motivating, obviously. But man, marketing, getting your name out there and just connecting with people face to face is a huge benefit. Like, it's, yeah, it, it does something at some point. Well, I mean, that's like kind of how I've began to make that connection with a lot of people, you know, not as, just through you and then going to the shows. Like, that's where I was able to meet, you know, like KG um who else um brian 
Benny, I met Benny there. Adler, I met all of them, you know, meeting yeah. all these people at the shows and seeing them consistently, you know, like you begin to develop friendships and, you know, relationships that way. And just, it's more so than just seeing someone's name on a screen and like, oh yeah, I know that guy, you know, because yeah. up until then, like, that's kind of how I knew people is I was like, oh, you're so-and-so. That's how I kind of introduced myself. Hey, I'm so-and-so from Instagram. You, you're so-and-so, right? right? Like I see you, I remember you have this and they're like, yeah. Oh, what's your name? And you know, it's different. Yeah, man. And, and like I said, at some point it could lead to something like as far as like, you know, some sort of like a collaboration or just yeah. whatever. Like it's just cool to connect with people because it means the next step could come, you know? Yeah. It opens more doors for you, you know? Yeah. Now, how scary is it to you to think about people who do reptiles full full time? Um, I like, mean, would you ever want to do that? Like in a, in, in a perfect world, would, right? In would, a perfect world. Yeah, 100%, you know, because I love working with animals and that'd be my ideal job. But I mean, at the end of the day, obviously, there comes, you know, pros and cons with everything, you know, so working with animals and then becoming your full time, uh, you know, some people don't know how to balance the difference between, you know, passion and money, you know, that's where the line gets a little bit blurry. And a lot of people, once it becomes a full time thing, they stem away from, oh, you know, I got into this because this is my passion and I love working with them to now. I need to sell this in order to, you know, to feed my family. And that's kind of the scary part of it. And like, that's why a part of me says, like, I don't think I would ever stop working in nine to five. Like I maybe would dial it back some, but you definitely need like different, you know, different streams of revenue. Like you, for example, like you not only have the animals, but you have this podcast and stuff like that, you know, so you're doing yeah. it a right way because you're doing two things that you're passionate about and you're not letting the money control the things you're doing, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I had this little rant earlier this morning today, bro, just because it, like I can't help but to feel a certain type of way about certain things. Like my biggest thing is like we should all take care of each other. Right. Like yeah. Especially the big companies within an industry like this should mm -hmm. always look after each other. And I just seen so much backstabbing happen within certain companies of each other and also companies that just don't really look after people like us. Yeah, and it's very fucking unfortunate, um, but it, it, it's kind of like it comes with the territory you want to know why because of money yeah it money. all comes down to money, money is bro. the root of all evil you know it, it, it isn't it isn't yeah. it, it it but it, actually it always it it always it is, is. because what... somebody could come in here and it's documented people come in here solely off the passion of things yeah and when things happen they need money something happens to their family something happens where they need to do something desperate a lot of these motherfuckers will roll on somebody in a heartbeat yeah fuck somebody over just do something very shady yeah. or whatever you know or you hear the stories of people at shows you know where they're like oh so-and-so has this snake for this price oh well i'll take a hundred off and i'll sell it to you for that price you know well that that right there that's his bit that's yeah. a sell i mean honestly that's people getting undercut in projects is obviously that's that's like you you right there gotta be one ahead one step ahead of that curve because mm -hmm. look what happened to me at the fucking reptile super show i had some of oh, my super door yeah. productions being wholesaled at some fucking table like across the room from me yeah you know what i mean and how do you think that made me feel yeah that 100%. was that, that I, I was, i've never I was been sick to my stomach like that bro yeah I never i've never been that but but at the end of the day what can i do yeah, like it's out they, of your hands they own those animals and they could do what the fuck they want yeah that's true. um and also too like you know they they got to make their money yeah and, and i'm sure like the way they bought all those snakes it budgeted where they could price those snakes the way they mm -hmm. had to price them to get their money back and they want to move them and they yeah. want to move them you know what i mean yeah so but yeah i mean that's like i mean because i feel like there's multiple issues within trust um, within the hobby, obviously there's keeper to keeper, but the biggest thing, man, is 
like the businesses, businesses man yeah the businesses and there's a lot of hi hypocrites like there's a lot of people and without getting too much into details there's just, just a lot of people out there who paint a picture like yeah you know we bring things like us arc together and blah 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 but at the end of the day like i don't see it coming from them like yeah. i don't see what we're doing like what people like myself and diego and people who support us arc like i don't actually physically see it coming from them i yeah. see that i see them talk about it but yeah. i don't see it actually physically coming from certain companies and that's fucking aggravating you know yeah, what i mean 100 um but also too like i said like some people don't do anything unless it brings money yeah to the to the situation yeah you know and that's that's just wrong you know at the end of the day like there's we're dealing with living things here um if your main focus is for money then you should just you should get out right now like that's the biggest thing because you're not gonna it's not gonna end well for you uh you're gonna end up screwing yourself and a lot of people in the process and it's just a waste of everybody's time at that point yeah so. i mean my biggest thing is like there's been people who've known each other in this game for like 30 fucking plus years and i the way i see some of them treat each other or i just the way i see a lot of this like backstabbing type shit it's just very heartbreaking bro yeah because it's kind of like dude imagine us like we've only known each other for a year or so right has, has it even been a year yet i think it's two has it been two, years? two years since you've come since you came over and all that uh what are we in 2023 really yeah. no i think like 21 21 late 21 was it yeah i think that's only when was your first show when did you friend your first show that was jan 2022 last year yeah so i knew you before that yeah but but so it was you, you knew me that year though i yeah, don't think it's 2021 like, i think it's 2022 maybe. Yeah, yeah something like that um but imagine us having this relationship and then here we are 30 years later some shit happens where i basically just turn my back on you yeah well i mean i would be really hurt i mean honestly like i'm a very like loyal person You're very loyal you know, especially for like my friends i mean i got one of my best friends jose campos up in the chat right there Shout that man jose. doesn't even know what a snake is but he's still Bro, he's saying ultra male he's already yeah he's hey, claiming ultra male dog he's seen it in person that's why he knows what's up <laughs> but you know like i'm like he could probably comment on it you know i feel like i'm a very loyal person when it comes to like my friends and you know once yeah. my friends become like my friends they're pretty much my family and like i'll do whatever i can for them you know at any time i'll drop everything to help anybody you know especially if you're yeah. a good friend of mine i'm know? the same way man and that's why like when i hear certain people getting fucked over in the industry it's sad it's, it, sad. it's sad but also you know you know i have anger problems bro like yeah. I've, I've come a long ways but there's just certain things that aren't okay with me man yeah, and, and my biggest thing is like bro i got accused this year of being a fucking bully for just doing my fucking podcast and saying my thing on my show yeah where and i don't want to get specifics but there's real fucking bullying type shit going on to some of the most loyal people in the industry you know what yeah. i mean and that right there just it, it tells me everything and i also want to say a lot of this is like old head type activity these are motherfuckers who aren't really I don't think they give a fuck man they're stuck in their ways they're you know? stuck in their ways and, like, and they don't give a fuck i'm telling you they, they don't, don't want to change and like that's a big thing that i've noticed like especially just within this like year or so is that there's a lot of moving parts to the reptile industry and a lot of things that are changing and it's like i guess it's a good thing where it's like if you're not changing for the better you're kind of getting left behind and people don't want to deal with you yeah you know and like that's, that's true and that's that's a good thing you know everybody should be striving to be better and if you're you know if you're being stagnant and you're if you're not improving on what you're doing then what are you doing you know like i don't see how and honestly i don't see that being a fun thing like if i'm doing the same thing and taking care of my animals the exact same way since day one like that doesn't seem fun you know like i want to change things i want to see oh if i do this or i put this in there how's that going to react or you know even with like lighting okay 
let me add this UVB on there. How's that going to change the animal's behavior? Is it even going to have an effect like that? That's what I think is the fun part about all of this. It's like, to me, it's like one big science project, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's always like, there's always, and it's always evolving. There's always, (laughs) and there's always something new to figure out. Like how many times has this room changed around since I've been in here? Plenty. We just changed, (laughs) we just changed it right now. (laughs) But it's all because like, it's all for the better though, right? Or even compared to like your last room, you know, you you know, from your last two, you had two at that point and now you have one, Yeah. you know, and like seeing that change has been super cool. And like that, honestly, helping you out and seeing all that, like that's made me want to do better and want to get things, you know, and want to strive to have something similar, you know, like I want to have some nice cages like this one day. I'm not saying I keep my animals shitty, you know, just putting that out there, but you know, I don't have them in super nice enclosures. I have them in what meets their needs and it's nice. And I like looking at them every day, but you know, it's not professional like this type of stuff, you know? Bro, I want to say two years about two years ago, these were all in target tubs. Yeah, so, I was there. I saw them. Yeah. Wait, so you were there when you before I even got these? I think your first batch, but right before you got them. Right before mm. you got the first batch of focus cubes, I remember I was in I was there helping you out. Well, wow. oh that's yeah, you're right. Now I remember. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it was shortly after that we got Mac analysis enclosure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest thing you helped me with. Yeah, was that was that probably one? one of the first big, big projects. What that a we beast did. that fucking thing was. What a bro. pain in the ass that thing was. Piece man. of shit enclosure. <laughs> Dog, I'm so it, okay. True or false? I didn't say it. He did. I yeah, I did say it. Piece of shit enclosure. Um, because it's not quality. Like, yeah, bro, do you PVC, see how easy that shit was breaking? Yeah, like the PVC was. It was. I, I never knew. We P- grabbed it wrong and it broke. It was brittle. I brittle. never knew there was PVC that was quality, like styrofoam, fucking foam, yeah. like. I can literally break this shit. That's how cheap like, this piece is. I think it's was. like Chinese quality in the U.S. I think that's what. Oh I don't know the difference. God. I'm not super big in the building materials, but I'm pretty sure I've heard a lot of people talk about that. I, I don't even know how we break broke that down and got that. Actually, you weren't even there. My no, dad. No, yeah, I think your dad did that. And I was fucking almost broke it. Like, yeah, it was almost I was, broken in pieces. I wasn't looking forward to helping you with that project. <laughs> but no, man, it's fucking. Um, it's something that happens with time, bro. Like, I mean, yeah, hundred percent, and like that's. You know, that's the fun. You get to look forward to being better, doing better and seeing your, you know, your evolution and how you went from where you started to where you are now. You know, like it's yeah. crazy. Now, other than ball pythons, like what's another venture you're trying to take on? Like what's something, you know, obviously once it once it happens, you either get a bigger place or whatever. You have more time. Like what's a species that you feel confident working with other than dwarf monitors, ball pythons? What would you say the third one you would would want to be you'd want to be at some hmm. point? Well, I, I mean, I have like some other little, I guess, like side projects going on right now, but they're still like smaller species of animals. Like I have um, some gargoyle geckos, like I said before. I have um, some. What's the overall goal with those? Are you trying to just. just there's per- more so pets. Like I got they're them. They're cool. Yeah. Like my girlfriend liked them and like she is not a big reptile person. And I'm like. That's Whatever what she kinda, likes, you're good. Yeah. That's what kind of started it is I got those and I was like, oh, look, like these are super cool. You know, like then we could breed them and all that. And then I snuck in. Oh, by the way, like I'm also buying these. And she was like, how big are those, you know, for monitors? I'm like, oh, these only stay small. And, you know, they stay small, but not as small as she wanted. But <laughs> so I got those. And then I also have some uh, some fire red anoles. So anolis sagri, I believe, is the species. They're from uh, Armin at Herb Time. Damn, shout out to Armin. Yeah, so I have like a trio of those. But uh, those are just more, you know, side projects, fun projects. If they breed, they breed. If they don't, they don't. I'm happy to have them as pets too. And then, um, but I guess like a next big thing is i want to get into the bigger monitors like i mean i would love to get like you know uh, a bell's phase like a lace monitor 
or even like a black dragon or something like that. Just having you, you don't know, want a black dragon, bro. Those things are sick. They're fucking gnarly, dog. You just gotta keep them right. You they're gotta just, socialize they're, them. They're they're just the ones gnarly, that I've, I've bro. seen. Like I've seen videos. I mean, I haven't seen one in person, but I can pretty sure that's scary as hell to have a big mean monitor, you know. And that's normally I'm like I'm for the bigger stuff, but yeah. after a, like after getting these black tree monitors and seeing how they're just like a fucking like a yeah. like a like a what, what, black black dragon black dragon yeah, Asian Warmer. but it doesn't get nowhere nearly as big yeah like they're I'm, just, I'm, they're I'm just good with that cool. yeah but I mean I want to get into a bigger a bigger monitor like maybe not even just to breed but kind of have as a pet you know yeah. like imagine somebody pulls up and you're like hey you want to see my six foot lizard that I got and you just pull <laughs> something out and like I don't think you can't you can't be amazed by something like that you know yeah and like I love like introducing people to lizards and all that stuff like people at my job are like oh yeah that's that's the guy that knows about reptiles and stuff like that so stuff like that you know more monitors honestly so not even tree monitors but you know once I get space I want something that's big like for sure yeah that would be cool now would you say that uh with with time are you looking to like have like obviously you live in an apartment right now right but yeah. like let's say you buy a house you have property like are, are we are, is that when you're looking to expand shit yeah i mean even now like i i want to grow you know i mean that's like the goal of everybody is more growth you know and like every time i'm on morph market i want to buy something new sometimes the bank account ain't agreeing with that or the girlfriend's <laughs> not agreeing you know so we're sometimes both yeah or both you know that's the biggest one so it's like Right now, like since I am, you know, like you said, in an apartment in a smaller, you know, space, is I still want to work with the things I want to work with. Obviously, it's not realistic for me to go out and buy a monitor that's going to get, you know, five six feet, but it is, you know, more realistic to get, you know, dwarf species or even like a tree monitor. Like I could have space for a tree monitor too. So I don't know how mm. soon I'm going to buy a house. I don't got money for a house now, so. I'm probably going to be stuck with smaller species of monitors or maybe the next one would probably be if I'm at where I'm at now within the next year or two, maybe a tree monitor or a pair. Yeah, man. I, I, I think you're going to really just lose it once you actually own a tree monitor just because they're, they're the fucking, they're like the conjurer of the monitor game. Yeah. 100%. It, it, they're, it's nuts, you know, cause they come in so many different colors. Mm -hmm. What? Six, seven different colors. But even then, like in the green trees, like there's people you see them with like, they're almost blue. Yeah. you know so like just that alone like it's crazy it's yeah. almost like a designer chondra it really yeah. is and they're just really awesome to interact with like the black tree monitors i got from the homie spotty uh spotty spotty life is that his name yeah spotty life out in florida um dude they're bold they come they literally want to come right out of the enclosure yeah. which scares me because i'm just so fucking and like, they're so small yeah, yeah they're so tiny um the biggest thing i've learned i say within the last year of keeping monitors is actually longer than that but like the diversity in diet like what's your what's your input when it comes to like dieting for a monitor like oh it's it's mandatory to have a diverse diet when it comes to monitors you can't you can't feed them the same thing it's not i just don't think that that's right you know you can't feed them like i don't like eating the same thing every day you know and i'm they're able to eat different things a variety of different things so why not you know yeah so that's the the more variety the better like i like to feed mine you know, I rotate whenever I go to the grocery store. I'm like, okay, like, what, what do we got? Buy something different. Or like my cousin, he was the one that kind of put me on game to go like the, to like an Asian, like a Chinese market where they yeah, have all kinds of weird, yeah, you can get all kinds of weird stuff where you're like, yeah, I'm not finding this at a Ralph's. <laughs> so I'll buy that stuff, like weird stuff like that. Yeah. Snails, freaking like chicken hearts and all that stuff. And just let's see if they like it. You know, they're all different, you know, sometimes they won't eat it. So other ones will, like I have three and they're all different. 
Like I have my biggest female that I have, she'll eat anything. She's a dumpster. My male, he likes eating bugs. He'll eat turkey. He'll eat eggs, but you have to really like tease him with the tongs. And then I have another female where if it doesn't move, she's not eating it. Wow. So like bugs, they have to all move. Like you can't, like even with worms, like she doesn't, like she's kind of She's like stuff that sits still. Yeah, she's very picky. So she's smaller because of that reason, you know. But, you know, like if it wouldn't be fair if I just fed them all the same, you know, because then what they're not going to be getting what they want out of everything, you know, out of life, I guess. And if you want to put it that way, I, I mean, you so, think realistically, what are they eating in the wild? That's the same all the time. You know, can, I mean, obviously certain they can insects, get their, but they get anything, they whatever can get. they can get their mouth on, they're going to eat, you know, so things come across, they come across different things every day. If they're able to eat it, they're going to eat it. You yeah. know? So whatever I can give them in order to give them that variety, that's what I want to do. Now, even though you're just now getting your feet wet with ball pythons and just kind of other species, like what's your, like, what do you, what do you feel when you hear about people not being able to move snakes and sell stuff? And it's like slow and like all this Debbie downer type shit. Like, does that, does that worry you at all? So, yeah. So that's like, it's more so on the business side of things. I mean, for me personally, like I said, like I'm most of the stuff that I'm breeding, like I've came into it with the mindset of, you know, if I don't sell any of it, am I happy keeping it all? And that's, and yeah, so far with what I have and what I'm planning on breeding, I wouldn't be mad keeping it all, you know, and then just like how everybody says, you know, the market's up and down, up and down. So if it's in a down, when I start breeding, I'll keep all my stuff, hold it back. Maybe when the market's up again, all of that stuff's ready to breed. And then whatever I get from those productions, I can sell when those sell, you know? Yeah. So I guess that's one of the good things about not having it as a full-time thing is I don't really have to stress or worry about too much. I mean, obviously it's going to cost me money to feed everything and house everything, but you know, that's, that's a different story. But as far as like sales and stuff like that, like, yeah, it is a little, I guess, worrying in the sense of like, let's say I make something where I'm like, oh, I'm not super excited about and I want to sell it. And then, yeah, I'm going to be like, oh, you know, like you don't, you don't feel the same passion for it compared to something that you're excited about, you know? Yeah. And then like, you know, like we were talking about earlier how like money takes over the passion sometimes. And that definitely happened with me and the super doors. Yeah. Because yeah, I, after I got that type of fucking feeling after what happened at the show like i still love the snakes like even though like okay now that's what happened with your projects who gives a fuck like all right i won't breed them yeah like, and, and if i won't breed i want to keep them because i thought to myself like why did you end up getting rid of all your snakes all your mainlands but keep these to begin with because you like the way a retic acts like you yep. fucking like you like a retic right mm-hmm. and that you know i'm talking to myself and i'm like dude yeah so I know that there there would have been a point in time where I, re- I would have regret getting yeah. rid of something. You had to that check yourself a little bit. I had yeah. to check. I definitely had to check myself. Yeah. And I don't. I want, to, I want the le- record to, to reflect right now. I'm keeping all my super dwarf holdbacks that I've been raising, which isn't a lot, anyways. And my my main female. So stop hitting me up. I'm not getting rid of them. Leave me alone. Um, and you know, and I feel better about it because, like, you know, I like stuff diverse. I like stuff where, like, oh shit, like more work it takes more work to take care of something just so you appreciate other things right? yeah 100 so that's how i sit with that yeah and i i 100 agree with that you know like i feel like the majority of people in the hobby uh keep things out of passion you know not everybody keeps things out of you know thinking of it monetarily or like how is it going to benefit me and like that's what that's what's super cool about this hobby you know is like you talk to people who are like super passionate about something i've never even seen or heard of you know and yeah. I'm like, they can tell you everything about it. And you're like, wow, hey, you know what? Maybe I kind of want to buy one now, you know? So I just don't like, here's the thing. Like I 
talked myself into really believing into the super dwarf like fucking craze like yeah and telling people like with no hesitation oh this snake will only get like nine to 13 feet or 12 feet yeah okay and we're talking like 50 percenters right mm -hmm. that's bullshit yeah because why i'm telling you right now because there's no telling like what size something can be when in history they could get up to that big or they yeah. could get up to that small Until it's just like wrong. humans yeah i mean you saw the clutch i had there were specific smaller snakes in yep. that clutch that were just eating as many meals as the other ones and but the other ones were a lot smaller. bigger yep so it's kind of like no matter what the percentage it's is, not a guarantee it's not a know? fucking and, it's but, it's not and, and and mind you what was getting you more money was a higher percentage yeah and, like, and that's fucking bro it's it's a fucking con yeah i think like, i i just feel like it is now mind you dude like i've seen some some of the tiny tiniest retakes ever from eric lee yeah like i'm talking like holy shit and i'm talking like two years later like here they are like still small right yeah i think i've seen a few that he's posted like on ig where he be like right. it's a two-year-old male and i'm like but then he posts like two feet but then he posts an 87 point something percent and that snake is just as big as that snake yeah cool 13 14 foot no 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 it's, it's, it's 10, 12 sorry 12, 12 no th this 11. is about 11 feet yeah the snake bad. he posted was about 10 feet oh, okay right but which is like that's roughly around the same yeah. area and we're talking over almost 40 percent more in super dwarf yeah but supposedly that's like i mean but that's how kind of that whole Thing was marketed you know by all the bigger guys i'm not gonna name names but it was marketed by them as all oh, you know these are gonna stay small you get a big retick but it's only gonna grow seven foot but you Man, know all that doing shit, that all that shit came sell. back and bit us in the ass yeah. and a lot of them were doing it to sell snakes you know like mm. it's a big marketing thing you know just like how mainlands like not too many people are being successful selling mainlands because of the size so they yeah. figured out a way to get around that problem and still you know move the snakes that they wanted to move while wow, you know there are some people who are honest with what they have and they actually are you know telling you the truth like um lucas yeah shout out to lucas you know, like i know so much about superdorfs it's ridiculous i listen yeah, to his podcast dog. and just to listen to it you know shout out to the retic lounge yeah. uh, i mean i i like lucas changed my whole pers like perspective on retics in general because at the end of the day what i like are the specific localities that some of these snake come from yeah. like like i like slayer like turnates i like fucking um just um what's the other one that stands out to me slayer turnate what's the other one that i really like Kalto. cat no but no there's another one i don't know why i can't kawadi oh kawadi right um but like that's what i i like what the snake naturally looks like yeah that's kind of Not what with i'm into morphs and everything yeah. right because and like, i know he, he's a locality freak too so that's like the guy to go to for stuff like that so i just kind of wanted to reset i, I want to reset everything because like i said i went into this like where i wanted to put as much morphs into the highest percentage super dwarf but really like that's not what i'm into what i'm into are where these locality python specifically come from yeah and then either line crossing or something like that or or getting other localities into each other and then maybe throwing like my favorite more like an anthrax like i'm a yeah. huge anthrax guy um or golden child or something you know what i mean like maybe like yeah throwing your favorite morph but the stacking thing bro like i want to get away from stacking i'm yes. not i'm tired of this stacking fucking mentality when it comes to morphs not just it's just me personally just because i don't want i want like like why i'm obsessed with all this shit is because there ain't no morphs in yeah. this fucking in, in cargos and emeralds yeah. it's all localities and where they come from and it, looks yeah. and, and looks you yeah. know what i mean so that's mainly where i'm heading at with shit. Yeah. and uh 
I don't know, like, and like I said, I'm glad I'm sticking with, because here's the game plan with my, I, I do have some really nice, nice super dwarfs, excuse me, I have some really nice 50% Kalatoas um, that have genes that I really like working with, like the marble, mm -hmm. annery, and platinum. Yep. And what I could do at some point, once I'm ready to kind of get back into the things with uh, the retics, is getting my favorite localities and putting into them those. to those. You yeah. know what I mean? And just going from there. Yeah. See, you're doing that all based off of a passion, you know, what you like. You're not necessarily going off of what the next craze what is. The hype or like, is. yeah, what the hype, you know, you're not following the hype train. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm not gonna lie, man, the ball python was another hype train. But yeah. ball python is living up to its hype. I want to say the ball python game, there ain't nothing like it. It is a pain in the ass. It's a headache. It, there's a lot of like confusion for sure. Yeah. My biggest thing is the confusion within the ball python game. But you always figure it out. Like there's always like an explanation. But the whole like polygenic morph and like and I get it. Like that's a, that's interesting. It's fun. But god damn, is it tiring? Yeah, it's, it's just like fuck. It's like, a lot of information. What do you mean this gene doesn't yeah. work now? Like you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's what you get when you work with so much. Like yeah, there's a lot oh. of moving parts to that just that species alone you know it's not simple it's not a very it's not simple at all so yeah you can you can dive into ball pythons for hours and hours and still not understand everything you know so <sighs> amen brother <laughs> yeah but you know you can't you can't deny their place in the in the industry and the no, hobby just know. because they like, are that's the, a they staple. Are the they're force. the face they, they're probably one of the faces if not the face of the reptile hobby even though that will upset a lot of people is that's what gets a lot of people in a you know, you go to a show, what are you going to see? Tables and tables of ball pythons. You yeah. talk to somebody, they're going to be like, oh, this was my favorite snake, and it's most likely going to be a ball python. Well, okay, let's I like ball pythons too. I keep them, but, you know, I'm not I'm not well, one of those guys that's going to get too crazy into that argument. It's like you said, man, let's be realistic about this. Let's just say there wasn't as many ball python tables at a show, and let's say there was more carpet, pythons, uh, chondros, like other stuff, right? Yeah. And let's say you have this nice family never owned a reptile interested could get one more likely they're gonna leave with the ball python yeah they're not gonna leave with the fucking carpet python they're not gonna leave with the super dwarf aka a fucking locality retic because yeah. that isn't something you want to give a beginner it's not <laughs> like you know as a as a seller that's not something that's it's not that's irresponsible to do you know like if a kid comes up to you and they're like i'm buying my first snake done minimal research you know, giving them something like a chondro or a tick, carpet python, stuff like that. That's just, you know, you're you're sending that snake to its doom, you know. So, obviously, yeah. you don't want anybody buying anything with no research. So, you want people to be well-versed in what they're buying and all that stuff. But for the most part, you know, people are always going to gravitate toward, well, what's easy to keep? What can I keep that's easy, you know? That's a big question I know a lot of people drop at. Uh, right. reptile shows you know and it's going to go to colubrids or ball pythons and well, colubrids in the sense of like corn snakes king snakes things like that and, and to the defense of that is because you know let's think about the person who is interested in buying a reptile they probably have a life they probably have work they probably have stuff they like to do they like to go out they probably have other hobbies they're not committed they're like not us, committed like, like us. all the people here but that that grows over time yeah like 100%. after after and, and maybe it doesn't maybe some people are just like i'm cool with just one yeah. But I feel like there has to be a gateway to something. Yeah, there's right? there always is. You know, people are gonna buy a ball python and then they're gonna dive into the you know the YouTube hole and then start looking up other stuff, start coming across different videos. Instagram too, they're gonna start coming across people that breed multiple things, or even people like you, where you mm. have ball pythons, that is a big thing in your collection, but that's not all that you have. You know, they're gonna see things like a chondro, you know, see things like an emerald, 
and they're going to want something like that. And, you know, then they're going to know, like, I need to do more research and I need to be more responsible in order to keep something like that properly mm-hmm. and not, you know, have it die on them. So that's what sparks a lot of people's interest in the hobbyist things like that. You know, um, I have a wrap up question before we get into some hot seat questions. Um, self-policing. Now, obviously, you, you know, you know, there was, I mean, drama was thick earlier this year. Yeah. Oh, my God. And boy, did I take advantage. It was awesome. It wasn't awesome, but it was like, fuck, man. Like, it was cool to kind of like get it out there on what people, how people feel about neglect and terrible things happening within the hobby. Now, what, what do you have to say about regulating ourselves, fucking calling shit out when it needs to be called out, all that stuff? I want to hear it from you. Getting into the good questions, huh? <laughs> well, as far as like the in- instance that you're referring to, like uh, that happened this year, you know, it's like if you if you know somebody or you yourself are being told that you're not keeping your animals properly, then you need to change. You need to do something about it. And if you're not going to do something about it, then you need to get get out of the hobby. Get you know, sell your stuff. Do whatever you got to do to put those animals in the hands of good keepers and people that are going to be responsible because at the end of the day, this is a living thing, you know? And then um, it has to be here. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, at the end of the day, like this, these snakes didn't have the choice of being in the wild or being here. You know, that was our choice as, you know, keepers and as humans. And it's our responsibility as keepers to do the best for the animals that we have. And if you're not doing that, then you need to check yourself. Or if you have a friend that you notice isn't keeping their animals the best, you need to be that person to check them. And I'm not saying it needs to be done publicly or you need to put them on blast in front of everybody. Like maybe all it's going to take is a simple conversation like, hey, man, I've noticed that you're doing this wrong or not even necessarily saying it that way, just saying like, hey, you, you know, you should probably try this or, you know, hey, like instead of doing it this way, do it that way. You know, I think it should be more so encouraging people to do better. And if you're not doing better then you know, like, what are you doing at this point? You know, like, can you ever see yourself like walking into this room, seeing animals dead and you'd be like, all right, MJ, see you tomorrow. I'm out. Like, like, no. like, wouldn't there have to be a certain point where we sit down and talk? Yeah. Like, especially after, a, cause you see how I started. Yeah. As a, as a friend, well, obviously seeing how you keep things now and like how, how on top of everything you are and like how strict you are, even on me, like when coming over here and like taking care of your animals when you're gone or when you used to travel a lot. You know, it's like, it's just, if I were to see that you went from there to going downhill, is I'd be like, hey, dude, like, what's going on? Because it just doesn't happen overnight, for one. Right. And there's usually a reason behind it. Like you said, you know, some people, they fall into money troubles. Some people, they fall, fall addictions. Off. Yeah, or, you know, like, they just don't have the same passion anymore. And it's like, okay, dude, if you're not passionate about it, sell it. Like, like people forget, bro, like, there's humans fight, fighting real battles within themselves, which... I don't want to make that an excuse on why things change, but that's why people should reach out and try to help them. And a lot of people have addiction problems, bro. Like there's, I mean, obviously in in general, right. But in this hobby, man, people get hooked on certain things and that's when you kind of realize, Oh, so that's when things went downhill, but who was around to help you? Like who were like, who's there to keep you up or something as well. And that's, that goes on. Also, I feel like having good friends and good people, you know, good relationships with people within the industry, you know? So I agree. That's what's going to help you to be a better person. It's just you are the company you keep. So if you keep shit company, like my grandpa, my grandpa has the best saying, you know, you hang around shit, you smell like shit. Dude. So if you are who you surround yourself with, you know, so if you want to do better, you should be trying to surround yourself with people that are doing better than you, you know, or 
at least people that have the same mindset as you as they want to do better and be better every day. Like know? there's these people out there that try to wear these fresh looking shoes, but if you were to look underneath those shoes, there's a bunch of shit on it because they step all over in that shit because of the people they associate themselves with, the things that they do. Like you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You act like shit, you are shit. And I'm telling you right now, a lot of motherfuckers got shit underneath their shoes. So just, just I don't know. Just I, I, I always say, like, keep your circle tight, man. You yeah. know, and, and it's cool to be cool with people, but motherfucker, ain't nobody yeah. like it's so less is more nowadays, man. Yeah. Like I you, could you, count my good friends on one hand. And you know what? And, and that, you, that list has gotten smaller within the past couple of years alone. Nothing makes me red flag more when I see somebody who's liked with everybody. Like a Mr. Like, oh, everyone loves me. Or I need to have everybody like me. Or I me. need to have everyone yeah. like me. Like I'm good on that shit, bro. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, this was, a, you know, like I said, this is like a little like icebreaker. I want to introduce you to, to the, to the viewers and stuff like that. Cause you've been a huge help for me. And I, I know that you're just getting your shit going and whatnot, man. But I wanted, I wanted people to know who the fuck you were now, yeah. man. I didn't want to wait. So I want to say thank you to everyone who tapped in. Yeah. And, I appreciate and, everybody. And checked out Diego, in. but we do have hot seat questions. Yeah. Okay. Even though you're my boy, I'm still going to serve you with these hot seat questions. <laughs> yeah. 100%. So do me a favor guys, get the likes up. If you haven't, Hit that subscribe button, notification bell. Hot seat questions for the homie Diego. Dude, drop your Instagram name right now. Just so oh, yeah, it's gonna be a cruise family constrictors. It's an underscore. So cruise underscore family underscore constrictors. You talked about maybe changing the name yeah, or multiple, brand. Multiple what? times I've been thinking of changing my name just because I feel like it's really long. So what would you, what, what would be the first and foremost? I am gonna pull up his page. So if you guys don't mind, oh, yeah. head over to Instagram. Make sure you. Oh, is that not the right one? Head over to IG right now, and I'm pulling it up. Type in uh, "Cruise Family Constrictors." Give my boy a follow right now on IG. Yep. But what 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 has been playing around in your head? You know, as far as uh, changing, changing, I don't know. Changing I, the name. I'm really weird when it comes to names and stuff like that. Like I I get really indecisive. Like there'll be something where I'm like, oh, I think that's cool, and then I'll look it up, and someone already has that name, or I'm like, oh man, or you know, I'll say I'll think of something, and I'll ask a few people about it, and they're like, man, that sounds fucking whack and i'm just like damn all right bet so bro people are whack bro you yeah. just you just you just gotta do you gotta find out what sounds sick to you i've given you some fucking fresh ideas yeah dog. yeah 100 and, and, and you just like you high key fucking muay thai kicked them okay so nah, nah, nah. I, I, I <laughs> no but seriously um give my boy a follow hot seat questions coming in right now for diego coming hot you ready diego i think so let's see okay here we go hot seat questions let's go favorite mixed martial art muay thai kickboxing favorite kickboxing champion um you have to say van damme that's hard <laughs> just keep nah <laughs> that guy's a movie star um if you were to be like i mean everyone could say sanchai that guy's one of the best guys to ever do it but rod as far, what about rod Tang? rod Tang's a beast too yeah that's like a newer generation but um overall if you guys look up a guy named um danny bill that guy's a beast. Beast? Yeah. All right. Was he that white dude that always went to Thailand and fighting? Nah, he's a black dude. He's actually from France. Oh, shit. So he actually came to my gym and actually taught a seminar and everything. And it's his story is pretty crazy. But yeah, he's from France originally, moved to Thailand, fought in Thailand, and then he just started fucking up all kinds of Thai people, and it's crazy. That's hard. All right. Frozen Thought or Life? Uh, frozen Thought. Eight cut or no cut on a ball python? Eight cut. On what day? Uh, well, I've never read a ball python. I had to cut what, an A. What would you say? But I hear everybody saying day 55. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. All right. Chondros or emeralds? Oh, fuck. Um, uh, that's a hard one. I'll just say emeralds. Okay. Because seeing your emeralds and Tim's, that's, that's things are crazy. 
crazy. No Fav- disrespect to the Contra people either way. Favorite Emerald Tree Boa Breeder? Mm, what? I forget his name. Gary? Gary Shavino? Gary Shavino. Damn. Yeah, you know he's – I hard. love you, Gary, but he's never successfully bred. No? No. I don't know about Northerns, but he hasn't done Basins yet. Oh, I thought he did. No. So or no, then Marshall. Marshall, yeah, yes. Marshall. All right. I know he's bred. Gary, I love you. I wish <laughs> – But I've seen I've seen his Instagram posts. I think uh, – Gary's going to get a Basin litter. I, I, I know. Uh, I feel it. I, I, oh, yeah. I feel it. Uh, pre first shed meal or post first shed meal on a ball pipeline? Post. Yay imports or boo imports? Uh, yay. One import you would like to bring into your collection, no matter what the space it took, would it, none of that really mattered to you, what would it be? A parenti. Not. Thank you. God, bro. Those things are sick. To mist or spray a ball python or to never mist or spray a ball python? Mist. Yay sports or boo sports? Yay sports. Other than mixed martial arts, favorite sport of all time. Um, so boxing isn't included. Nah, um, boxing would be a sport, but yeah, yeah. no, we're, we're but uh, so non-fighting sports. Um, yeah. soccer, soccer, yeah, soccer. I've played soccer my whole life. I favorite, don't follow it as much, but yeah. Favorite club? Um, as far as the U.S. goes, no, like in, oh, like in you're general, too. Yeah, oh, you're... Bruce Dortman. <laughs> nice, yeah. right? Um, big flexor, no flexor. Mm. Big flex. Yeah, yeah let's go. Yeah. Steak or fish? Uh, steak. Yay alcohol or boo alcohol? Yay alcohol. Favorite alcohol beverage? Beer. <laughs> he's, he's a real Mexican. <laughs> Any Mexican beer, this guy's in, bro. I'm telling you, locked in. You like IPAs or no? Yeah, I, yep. I drank IPAs for a while. West Coast rap, East Coast rap? West Coast. Favorite West Coast rapper of all time? Easy. Damn, that's what's up. Little word association. First thing to come to mind. Milk. Titties. Reptile Super Show. Uh, Pomona. Coco. Uh, husk. Mites. Burnham. First time Super Dwarf for Tick Breeder. Good luck. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that was so <laughs> funny. Um, did I say Stuck Shed yet? Uh, no. Stuck Shed. Uh, soak. Instagram Trolls. Fuck them. If you had to eliminate one social media platform, is it going to be Facebook or Instagram? Um, Facebook. Let's go. Dog, you had mad people tapped in for you tonight. All your love yeah. and support was in the live chats. So what do you have to say to everyone out there looking to see you win and looking to see you grow, Diego? Yeah, I appreciate everybody tapping in. I appreciate all you guys and the support that I've got. You know, Shout out to all my homies that tapped in. I can't really look at the live chats right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate you all, you know. Um, thank you for being here, you know. Just I'm glad to meet everybody. If I ever meet out of you in person, you know, don't be afraid to say hi, even though I'll probably be like, who are you? I'm not I'm not a big person on Instagram or anything like that, but I'm always down to meet new people and talk, man. And I will say you could catch Diego at any Reptile Super Show that I'm at for sure, mainly Pomona, Anaheim. Um, but also, man, like, you never know. Like, like I said, I, I do plan on getting things going again as far as traveling. And if that's the case, I'm looking to bring my guy along with me. And so you'll be able to meet, you know, Diego, hopefully at other shows, man. But it's Hell a yeah. wrap for this episode. I appreciate you so much. Yeah, man. thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate you. Your support is fucking so genuine, and I'm, I'm very lucky to have it. And again, guys, thank you so much for tapping in. I do want to say, though, be ready for tomorrow because we are going to continue more monitor talk with Hell yeah. two of my favorite tree monitor breeders in the game, okay? Uh, shout to Brian Susan and the homie Cody Cope. Uh, but be ready for a legendary tree monitor Tuesday going down.
down. Are you going to miss Fat Snake Tuesdays? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Do you I think I should them. maybe do a little back and forth? Like maybe one week tree monitors and go back to Fat Snakes the next day? I mean, I love tree, next week. I love tree monitors, so the more the better. But yeah, you can sprinkle one in every now and then. I can't think see anybody being mad about that. Well, let's give a little sprinkle dinkle and see what happens. But uh, we're calling it a day on this episode. Thank you so much for all the love and support. I'll see you guys at the top, and I'm out. Cheers.